shouldn't be am I going to be blessed today? The question should be will God be blessed today? Will I bless God today? When we step out of here, when we step out of God's house, the question we ask ourselves should not be have I been blessed today? Yes, you will be in Jesus' name. But the, the question we should wrestle with is not, have I been blessed today? The question is, has God been blessed today by my being in church? Praise the name of the Lord. And uh, I want us to, to be an um, overarching question where we, I mean, put it before us consistently. And um, today we are in part two of our series, Chair Up. Chair up, and today we are looking at demolishing doubt. Last week we dismantled depression. Today, by the grace of God, we'll be demolishing doubt. So I want you to look at your neighbor again and just tell them to share up. <laughs> now, now, show them how to share up. Show them how to share up. <laughs> if you are new at tribe, you are wondering what is going on. <laughs> now, we, we, we learned a whole lot last week. If you missed it, I, I want to encourage you to get the teaching, you know. And God really wants us to cheer up, you know. He wants us to cheer up. You know, you should smile from here to here, you know, and, and, be, and be glad, you know. Because God is your father, you know. That is enough reason to be excited. I mean... You have God as your father. Praise the name of the Lord. So, um, today, like I said, we are, we are, by the grace of God, we'll be demolishing doubts, you know. Um, a, some guy called Martin Luther, um, 
said that knowledge and doubt are inseparable to men. Says only God and certain madmen have no doubt. <laughs> only God and certain a few madmen have no doubt. You know, so we we doubt. We are creatures of of doubts. Who here amongst us has never had doubts? I have never had doubts. Let me see your hands up. I know God is amongst us. We're about to find out. <laughs> and I know there are no madmen, so it must be God. You must be God. Um, anybody, I've never had doubts. So, so we, we all have had, have had doubts. In our marriages, we've had doubts. We've had husbands wondering, have I married the right Person. We've had wives wondering, what have I gotten myself into? What is this? You know, I'm, going to, I'm not going to ask married people, if you've never doubted your marriage, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand, because I already know the answer. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You know, I mean, we doubt in our careers. We doubt, you know, am I in the right field? You know, am I... Am I in the right career path? We, we doubt in almost all our relationships. We even doubt in our relationship with God. We doubt in our faith. Does God love me? Do I need to try harder for God to love me better? Do I need to, um, you know, what do I need to do? We doubt. We doubt. So I want to ask you a, a question that is um, rather invasive, you know. And it requires some level of vulnerability. And, and the question is this, in the, in the next um, statement in your outline, is what doubts are you currently struggling with? If you are married and you are doubting if your son is yours, don't answer <laughs> this question. <laughs> oh, yes. 40% of every firstborn doesn't belong to the man. You, know, you don't know that. 40%, that's a, that's a large percentage. Why am I even saying that now? Look at anybody, don't doubt. <laughs> don't doubt. <laughs> now, I mean, so anybody, what doubts are you, are you currently dealing with? Who, who, wants to, who wants to share? Okay, yes, there's a hand there. Thank you, Ma, for always putting yourself out there. Can you please put on the mic? Hello. Yes. Mm. The doubts that I am currently struggling with now. Now. Even as I'm sitting down now. Now. Gasker. It's about my husband. Yes. Okay, ma'am. Because for the past 20 years, it's not more than. He's not born again. And I've been praying, 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 you know. In my heart, I keep on having doubt. I pray this morning, yes, that doubt is still in my heart. 
What's the doubt about The doubt life? about it is that <clears throat> will this man ever be born again? Okay. That okay. is my doubt. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you for sharing, Ma. Thank you for being vulnerable. Anybody else? What 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 doubts? Yes. Someone behind you, right beside you. What doubts are you currently dealing with? Then yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, as a new entrepreneur, I struggle at times at the end of the month. Like, would I be able to meet my end of month obligations? Praise God. Would I be able to pay salaries? Would I be able to pay my vendors? Thank you, sir, for sharing that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Doubt I'm currently struggling about now is about my career. I I have a, a career, but I don't. Sometimes I look confused. Whether is this really what God said that I should do? Because mm. I I discovered that I can be able to write and as in as in a write up writing books. You like writing? Yes. And you're not you're not writing currently. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing. And I'm sure. I mean, if you, if you actually pass the mic round, we will get more doubts than people <laughs> in this place today. You know, it's, it's common to us. It's common to us. And the fact is that doubting comes naturally to us, to you and I. We are born questioners. One of the first words children learn is the word why. Have you ever been wide by a toddler? Why is the sun round? Why do I, you have to get to go to school today. Why, mommy? Why do I have to go to school? Because, how do you answer that question? <laughs> because I want you to be a great person. But why? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to. <laughs> because if you, um, if you're a great man, you will have um, options of marrying a good wife. Why? <laughs> Who needs a good wife? <laughs> so we, we, we grow up questioning, and it's not necessarily bad. The greatest breakthroughs are, are, are born out of doubts, out of questions, out of queries, out of, out of being, being inquisitive sometimes. And just because you get born again, just because you become a Christian, doesn't erase your doubts. It doesn't. It doesn't. In fact, the greatest men of God and women of God from Scripture and the greatest exploits most times are born out of doubts. And we see practically littered all over Scriptures of great men from Moses to David to Job to Jeremiah to Peter. Would we even say the most popular doubter in the Bible? His name is what? Doubting Thomas. <laughs> But God uses our doubts 
to take us to great levels. And we're going to look at one example of such a doubter in the Bible that expressed his doubts in writing. His name is Asaph. Asaph is one of the psalmists of King David. And he wrote Psalm 77. We're going to read the first part of Psalm 77, which is 1 to 9. And we are going to explain from verse 10 downward how Asaph overcame and dismantled his doubts. Psalm 77 from verse 1. It says, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God will listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with my hands lifted towards heaven. But my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I mourn. I'm overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. I mean, how many people have... My hands are up. How many people have, have, have been in this place? Ah. I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days. It was a good old days. <laughs> Long since ended. When my nights were filled with joyful songs. I searched my soul and pondered the difference now, as the Lord rejected me forever. You know, when, you, when you've had fellowship with God and you go through a hard place, you ask this question, as, as the Lord rejected me forever, will he never again be kind to me? Is, is an unfailing love gone forever? As his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? You know, and that's why I love David. Not only does David express his highs and lows, not only does David become real and vulnerable to God and document it, David gives the people around him permission to be real with God. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, sometimes in church, we, we are too churchy and kind of religions. We don't allow people to be real with God. We say to them, don't, don't, don't say that. Don't doubt. Don't, don't, don't cry. Don't. If we were David, we would not include this psalm of Asaph in the collection we will remove it because it's embarrassing to God. But how many people know that God allowed it because God is not embarrassed with our doubts? Praise the name of the Lord. God knows we are doubtful. God knows when we question, but God is still okay with it. He's okay with it. And it's a huge lesson for us. Big lesson. And so we, we, we wrestle with this thing. We look for reasons. We look for answers. We look for solutions. 
And the challenge is this. Because we are wired that way, we tend to always look for solutions and look for reasons. And it's a nature to look for reasons. Whereas it is God's nature to offer us relationship. Huge, huge difference. If you are new to Tribe, um, we take notes in Tribe, so we fill in the, blank, the blanks. So you will notice that you have in your notebook, it is our nature to look for dash, so you put reason. It is God's nature to offer us relationship, so you put us relationship in the blank. We are looking for answers. And while we are looking for answers, we are looking for answers to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. While we are looking for answers, guess what? God is offering us the answer. Praise the name of the Lord. While we are looking for answer, God said, where is the answer? While we are looking for answers, God is, help, is, is offering us the answer. We think the answer to our doubt is explanation. We think the solution to our doubt is explanation. God, why? God, answer this question. So we are looking for explanation. Whereas God says the answer to our doubt is him, himself. God is offering us himself. God says the answer to our doubts is me. You have a child that is always sickly. You are wondering, will this child ever grow to graduate university? We are looking for answers. But God is offering himself. Because in God, you will discover that that child will not only graduate, the child will outlive you in the mighty name of Jesus. He's offering us himself. So when we say to God, provide me an explanation, give me proof why I shouldn't have doubts. We want God to give us proof why we shouldn't have doubts. Whereas God is saying, I want you to trust me in the midst of your doubt. We want God to give us reasons why we should not doubt again. God is saying, I am the reason why you should not doubt again. Praise the name of the Lord. I am the reason. We are like, God, I need to, to connect all these dots. You know, all these dots of life. I need to connect the dots to make sense. And God is like, you just need to connect to one dot. And that dot is me. I connect every other dot. And I make sense of every other thing. And that is the beauty of working with God. It's, 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 it's an honor, really. You know, so we want to connect this dot. You know all these puzzle books that have all these several dots, and you need to join all the dots to get the image, and many times we approach life like that, we want to, want to connect this dot, connect that dot, connect this dot, this dot does not connect, where does this fit, where does that fit, you know, and God is saying to you today, just connect to me, and in me, 
you will see that everything else connects. Everything else connects. You see, there, are, there were things in my life that I've been puzzled about. Maybe 15 years ago, there were things that I've been totally, totally puzzled about. 20 years ago, perhaps. But as I connected with God and trusted God in spite of the doubts, 15 years down the line, I can see everything connecting. Praise the name of God. I can see that everything is actually connected in him. Now, if I stayed where I was, insisting that I must connect all the dots, nothing would have happened. But I just needed to connect to him and trust that in him all the dots are, are what? Are connected. Are connected. Our friend, Thomas, I think, I'm not sure if, if I preach to someone, leave Thomas alone. I did, right? <laughs> okay, leave Thomas alone. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because people are always criticizing Thomas. Thomas actually has, has actually helped us a lot in our work with God, with all the questions he got answers to. If he hasn't doubted, we wouldn't have the answers today. However, when Thomas said to Jesus, to the, to the disciples, that except Guys, you know, we should not fool ourselves. Eh? This guy that's not Jesus, he just came bubbling all of us. And now he has gone. Then you guys said you, you saw him. Me, except I put, not only see him, not only see, except I put my hand. Just care. I will not believe. That's what he said. You know, and Jesus came. And Jesus said, Thomas. Hello, God. <laughs> Jesus said, it is me, Thomas. Thomas said, I know. But Jesus said, but you said, until you touch, you, this is my hand. Touch it. Thomas stretched out his hand. You know, shouldn't he say, it's okay, I don't need to touch it, right? I mean, I mean, if you have some faith, people say, okay, okay, I don't know. It's you, Jesus, I don't need to touch it. He actually stretched forth his hand and touched it. He now said, now I believe. <laughs> you know, and Jesus now says to us in John 20, 29, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. He says, blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe anyway. Praise the name of the Lord. So here, Jesus puts a higher value on faith than on physical proof. That's what we see here. Jesus puts a higher value on faith than on physical proof. It does. While in the case of Thomas, we also see that the fact that you doubt doesn't mean God doesn't love you. God loves you in spite of your 
of your doubt, in spite of my doubt. In fact, seasons of doubt can lead to some of the greatest growth spiritually in your life and in my life. I mean, I've shared several examples of my life where I have doubted and God, through the doubt, helped me to a deeper level in him. So there's a good side of doubt. And we're going to look at three good sides, there may be more, definitely, of doubt. The first is this. Doubts drive me to God. We see from the story of Asaph that they drive me to God. Doubts drive me to God. Asaph started in verse 1. He begins by saying, I cry aloud to God. I cry aloud to God. The NLT that we read, it says, yes, I shouted. To God. You see, as important as it is to read Christian books, to read books, you know, I, I encourage people to read Christian books and leadership books and all that. As important as it is to do that, as important as it is to be in, in fellowship, in live group, you know, we shared on Sunday that the power of we, two are better than one, three are better than two. And four are better than three, and on and on and on. The power of we, it's, 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 it's indispensable if you want to be victorious. To have a community of believers that have got your back. But you see, when it, what doubt does to us is this. Doubt goes to our core and makes it just about God and us. Doubt forces the individual to face God by himself. There's a lot of support you will get from the group. There's a lot of inspiration you will get from the books. There's a lot of anointing you will get from the church, from pastor, from people around you. However, those boggling questions will only surface when you're alone with God. So doubt forces me to face God. Anything that forces you to face God is good. Praise the name of the Lord. Doubt forces me, drives me to, to God. Number two, we read from, we see from deduction from that scripture that doubts force me to wrestle with life's difficult questions. They force me to wrestle with life's difficult questions. You see, when everything is sweet, we tend to live a shallow life. Do you know that? Have you noticed? When everything is rosy, our lives are shallow. But when life throws you a curved ball, when people 
get to the doctors and you see the doctor, the doctor is shaking his head. And he can't look you in the face. When you go to your child's school and they say this child can never know maths. Ever. Forget it. When your spouse leaves you a note by the bedside and says that he's found another lady or she's found another man. When you get to the office, someone says, I will rejoice. Who said that? Somebody said that. Anyway, I won't pick you out. Let me go on. <laughs> what was I going to say? Pardon? Okay, when you get to the office, when you get... <laughs> Please see me. Find a way to see me, okay? Even after service. Because I have people lined up after service. When you get to the office, and, 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 and they... And as you walked in, and everybody looks at you, and they are like, there's something that everybody knows you don't know. And your boss says, I need to have a word with you. And they fire you. Those things force us to ask the tough questions about life. They do. They force us. To wrestle with our souls. Why me? Why me? What did I do to deserve this? You say to God, where are you in this? What is your plan in allowing me to go through this experience? God, exactly how do you intend to benefit from this? And if you are from this part of the world, you ask the famous question, who am I offended? <laughs> listen, 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 listen. If you have never asked that question before, you don't know what you are missing. <laughs> now, I have asked all these questions. Oh, yes. I have. And if you are like me, you've asked these questions before. Let me see your hands up. Okay. Put down your hands. I have never asked any of these questions before. I won't tell you to lift up your hands. I'll just tell you to buy the CD. <laughs> and keep. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Just buy the message and keep. And keep living. You see, because these are in important questions, but until a crisis happens, until, until, until doubt sets in, we don't ask them. These are questions we should have answers to. Why me? You should have an answer to it. Why not you? You should have an answer to these questions. You should, all these questions I've listed out, you should have an answer to them because those are life's deep questions. If you don't have an answer to them and, and things are going on well, you wouldn't even ask those questions. 
You want to ask those questions. You know, talking to, to folks, marriage seminar, you know, there was time I used to just have marriage seminars for everybody that is married, you know. And we are talking about some serious things. Then a couple walked up to me and they both of them said, Pastor, we, we don't have that problem. We don't have that. Our marriage is perfect. I looked at them and said, how long have you been married? One and a half years. I said, it's okay. I said, it's okay. I said, I said, you know that God created some marriages perfect. You know, some people, some people just get this wrong. I know what's going to happen to them, you know. But I won't tell them, you know, because I'll be the bad guy. So, I just say, just keep living. <laughs> so, so, sometimes when I want to have a marriage session, I'll say, if you're not three years married, don't even come. Because you won't understand what I'm saying. Some deep questions that are being asked, you would look like, what are they talking about? Everything is rosy. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> so doubt forces me, forces us to ask this question. Number three, quickly. Doubt have the potential of deepening our faith. They can deepen my faith. They can't deepen my faith. I remember, I mean, um, years ago, this is about 11 years ago, when my pastor said to me, back then, go and start a church. <laughs> I was like, listen, look, I know myself. I know the things I'm still struggling with. I am not ready. Number one. Number two, I'm not even sure God likes me like that. You know, I had my doubts. Then, then when the church that was, when, when, the, when the pastor, my pastor back then, was said to me that, oh, just go and start the church, that they were not going to, they didn't give us a cobble, not a dime. My doubts hit the roof. I mean, I mean, but, you know, how, where is it going to come from? You know, but I remember that day, I mean, in my house, I, 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 I was praying about it. I mean, really on my face before God, you know. And, and God just said to me, move forward, Femi. I was like, out of everything you can say, <laughs> it's move forward. I mean, it's in your Bible that you turn the hearts of the kings. I was telling God, you turn the hearts of the kings, you know, like a river water. That you sh I, was, I wanted God to tell me that we changed the mind of my pastor to give us a lot of money. Because he had a lot of money to start the church. But God said, move forward. Now, there's a principle in this. And the principle is this. Don't miss it. God will never give you any more light then you are willing to obey the one he has given you already. So God will never give you more light than your willingness to respond to the light he has already given you. 
So when God says, take this step, if you don't take this step, you will not see the miracle. When, 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 if you sit down there and you say, I want everything to be perfect before I take this step, you won't see the miracle. You need to take the step. Praise the name of the Lord. So, and when you take the step, you experience a deeper level of God. You experience the depth of God. When you take the step, you experience freedom in God. You experience total liberty in God when you take the step. So, doubt is a transition. Doubt usually shows us that we are human. Doubt breaks us. Crisis, things that bring doubt, they break us. They, it leads, if, if handled properly, it leads to surrender. Doubt leads to surrender. And when you surrender to God, it leads to trust. And the more you trust God, the freer you become. So trust leads to freedom. The word there is freedom. Trust leads to what? To freedom. So when you trust God, you don't worry about many things. When you trust God, you don't worry about many things. When you trust God, you don't worry about health. You don't worry about so many things. In fact, worry is proof that you don't trust God. The more you trust God, the freer you become. So let's see some practical steps from Asaph. Let's see the practical steps Asaph took to demolish his doubts. Three of them. There are three doubt busters. Number one, from reading Psalm 77, we could see that to demolish your doubts, number one, for me to demolish my doubts, I must remember God's track record. I must remember God's track record. I must remember God's track record. Verse 11, verses 11 and 12 of the Psalm 77, it says, and I read, I recall all you have done. Oh Lord, I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about them. So if you could, you could circle, recall, remember, thoughts, thinking. It has to do with the mind. Everything has to do with recollection. Bringing it together in your mind. Bringing what God has done together in your mind. Recollecting the whole thing. It is in your mind. It is in your mind. You reconstruct everything God has done. So the memory is a friend to faith. If you are filled with doubt or you are filled with faith, it all depends on 
what you are remembering, what is filling your memory. You know, flying is just an amazing experience, you know. You get into a plane, you sit down with about 400 plus people in a plane that the inside is smaller than this old auditorium. They pack 400 people inside it like, like sardines. And this thing goes up to about 35,000 feet in the air, going at at least 9,000 kilometers per hour. You travel 6,000 kilometers in it. Have you noticed, if, if you've flown, have you noticed that if you look around you, nobody's having a panic attack? People are sleeping, reading newspaper, reading a book. Some are playing games. Some are watching a movie. And yourself, you're probably eating. I mean, I, I look around and I'm like, so why are all these people not panicking? Look at what is happening to us. We are in this can. 35,000 feet in the air, going at 9,000 kilometers per hour. And we are traveling this. We go over mountains, over the ocean. And you know why nobody loses sleep? You know why nobody's panicking? You know why nobody is afraid? Because of the track record of the airline. Let me say this. If you need to travel 14 hours by air. And you have a choice to fly. I don't want to. <laughs> uh, for the sake of just example, to fly BA or so, so something. <laughs> I will not, I will not, I will not. I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to malign any brand or anything, you know. Which would you to take? Why? Is it because you don't like to buy Nigeria? Why really, why would you? If you're going to trust your life to one of, you will trust your life to the one with the, with the better track record. So the only reason we did not check, did they put fuel in this thing before taking off? The only reason we did not check, are there pilots in this, driving this thing? Is the only one, are there two? We never see the pilots. The 
reason, the only reason, we are not worried if the instruments are working. We just go in there and fasten your seatbelt, and some of you just slip off. You commit your life into the hands of. How do you know they are not drunk? It's because of the track record. Truth is, God has a track record <laughs> of keeping our lives. He has a track record. Now, if you look at the stories in the Bible, the stories in the Bible, they are verifiable scientifically. They're verifiable. The major, every major miracle in the Bible, as far as I've, I've read, a, a whole lot of them have been verified. Do you know that? Do you know that it is verified that there was a nation called Israel that used to be in Egypt? Did you know that? Do you know that it was a national of that Jewish people that invented the pyramid and all the mathematical things of preserving and embalming a body? Historically proven. Do you know that this God has a track record? Already, in the Bible, it took four million people from the strongest nation on earth and it delivered four million. If one person, let's say one person escapes from the strongest nation of, on earth, you could say uh, one person. Okay, let's say a family of ten. In fact, in America today, a family of ten, if they don't want it, the family of ten to escape, do you know they can't escape? Then, this God delivered 10 million people. He carried them out. They marched out. He caused the Red Sea to open. They walked on dry ground. It is in the history of Egypt that they had a pharaoh that disappeared into the Red Sea. He caused the Red Sea to swallow up the pharaoh. I think that God has a track record for me to trust my life <laughs> into his hands. He does have a track record. Think, when you think about his track record, you recollect his track record. Listen, this same God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the fairy furnace and they were not born. This same God. The same God. It cost the axe head made of steel that was sunk in the bottom of the river to float back and he made wood, a branch of wood to sink in the place of the axe head. He has a track record. We can trust him. Praise the name of the Lord. We can't trust him with our lives. He has a track record. This same God When Jesus died, he trusted him with his life. And by his spirit, he raised up Jesus again on the third day. He did not leave his soul in Hades. Jesus trusted the Father that he is able to raise him again from the dead. This same God is worthy of our trust. We can trust him. 
Most people here have taken a hairline, flown by, by air. If you have flown by air, it means you can trust man with your life. And if you now doubt God, it's a slap on his face. That's how big it is. In fact, I think it's in First John, it says that when you don't believe God for what he said, he said you have, you have made him a liar. God says, take, take for instance, I mean, provision is one of the major challenges of people. God says, I will supply your need according to my riches in glory. And you step out of your house, you're doubting, am I going to eat today? God says, me? Yeah, me not. The Jews tried it. He says, you are asking for meat. Can he serve a table in the wilderness? You are asking for meat. I am going to feed you with meat. And the Bible says that he fed them with meat. It was coming out from their noses. So when God is taking you through a journey... It is a journey to his glory. It is a journey to his glory. And our statement of peace is our statement of trust. Our confidence that this too will pass is our confidence in him that is our rock and our God. Praise the name of the Lord. God will take care of you. I want you to look at your neighbor and give him that share up smile. That share up smile. Then after that, say, God will take care of you. <laughs> tell them, tell them, God will take care of you. He'll take care of you. Take care of you. And going through a hard time, you see, you see David celebrating. He said, saying, I will praise you forever for what you have done. In other words, he, I will reconnect the fact that you have done great things and I will praise you. I will praise you. Your name, I will hope in your name. For your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of the saints. That's what David was doing. I'm going to recollect the times that I have flown your airline. You have taken me back and forth from Lagos to Abuja a thousand times. Now, I'm about to take your airline. I'm going to remember your track record and I'm going to sleep on the plane. I'm going to praise you. And that is what David said. I mean, I want to encourage you, get praise and worship. I mean, it's free online. Connect to SoundCloud. All, well, the hits present worship of church is on SoundCloud. You can listen to it. We have a lot. Let it bring back God's track record. I mean, you, it, 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 it reconstructs his track record. And it shatters doubt. 
Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that, has, that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. So all these things were written as God's track record. So number one, for me to bust this doubt and shatter the doubt and demolish the doubt, I must remember what? Number two, I must, I must trust God's character and power. Psalm 77, the same Psalm 77, verse 13 and 14, it says, Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of miracles, of wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power. So we trust his power. Then we trust his character. What's his character? You are holy. In other words, you are incapable of doing evil. God is not about to kill you. God is not about to frustrate you. God is not out to embarrass you. He's a holy God. He's incapable of doing evil. Taste and see that the Lord is good. All the joy of those who trust in him. So that scripture tells us that comfort comes not in getting an explanation for my doubt. Comfort comes in seeing who God is. That's how custom comfort comes. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joy of those that trust him. So it didn't say, oh, the joy of those that have everything explained. So even when his hand cannot be traced, as it is popularly said, his heart can still be trusted. Even though you cannot trace his hands, even though you can't see his hands, but you can still trust his heart. Job says in Job, I think 13, 15, Job says in Job 13, 15 that though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In other words, though he lays his hands on me, though he's beating me, with his hands, I will still trust his heart. Praise the name of the Lord. How many people know it's only a child that does that? The mom that spanks the child and the child is crying, say, mommy, I love you. You know that that happens. So, the child is saying, though you slay me, Yet will I what? Trust you. That's, that's what Job is saying. And that's where God wants us to be. Why? Hebrews 6, 18 to 19 says, God cannot tell lies. And so his promises and vows <laughs> are two things that can never be changed. We have run to God for safety. Now, his promises should greatly encourage us to take hold of the hope that is right in front of us. This hope is like a firm and steady anchor for our souls. In fact, hope reaches behind the curtain into the most holy place. So to demolish doubts, to bust the doubt. Number one, I must remember God's 
track record. Number two, I must trust God's character and love. Number three, I must anticipate a glorious future. I must anticipate a glorious future. He says, you have redeemed your people by your strength. That is Psalm 37 verse 5. You have, 15, sorry. You have redeemed your people. By, to redeem means to buy back. God has bought us back by his strength. We have a glorious future. We are to anticipate a glorious future. Titus 2.13 says we are filled with hope as we wait for the glorious return of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so even in this life, that where there's no so much confusion and doubt and question, even though there's so much uncertainty in this life, the truth is that our destination is absolutely clear. Because our destination is in God. Absolutely clear. 2 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. But we know these things. Why? Because God has revealed them to us by his spirit. He has. So what God is going to do in your life? No eyes have seen. No ears have heard. No heart has even imagined or conceived. The question is, will you trust God? Will you put your anchor in God? Biblical faith is not passive waiting. It is not ignorant denial. Biblical faith is not wishful thinking. It's not blind optimism. Biblical faith is facing your doubt head on. And yet clinging to God's promises and future anyway. That is biblical faith. To bust the doubt, I must remember God's track record. I must trust God's character and power. And I must anticipate a glorious future. Do we have any questions? Or comments? Okay, there's a hand there. There's another hand there. Yes, let's go. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm sorry. The first time I spoke. <laughs> yes. Okay, sir. Is there anything like God's time in terms of um, your um, job description? Because I'm a marketer and right. every, month, every month I'm being asked, okay, this, where's your result? And I'm like, okay, I think God has 
plans for me. As in, I think God has time for me to close a deal. Right. I keep saying God's time. I don't know. And, and I've been praying for sales. I don't know if okay. anything so like God's time. Is there time. anything like God's time? Yes. Um, well, the answer is yes. There, there is, you know. But many times, what people call God's time, God has already said it's his time. Do you understand? So, so um, make the effort. Believe that God's time is now. God's time for a particular deal may not be now. But it is God's time for you to close a deal now. Does that make sense? So, believe it. Step out believing it and God will make it happen. In Jesus' name. Amen. The, the, the safest way to think about it is this. Is, is now is the time. Take salvation. When I, when I reach out to people, try to, I mean, tell people about Jesus. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Meanwhile, some people will not give their life to Jesus until about three or four encounters. Some people after one week, some people after one month, some people after one year, some people after five years. But every time I, I'm facing the person, when is the day of salvation? Today, now. And I believe it. Praise the Lord. Are you fine? Okay, cool. Yeah. Anybody else so that we manage this time? Choir. Okay, so we take that and we take first come the choir and we go on. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, Pastor, just a quick question, if you don't mind. To spend a trick question. A quick question. Okay. If you don't mind to spend one minute to talk about the interrelationship between fear and doubt, how they are related. You know, fear can lead to doubt, doubt can lead to fear. Interrelationship, it sounds like a trick question. <laughs> interrelationship between fear and doubt. Uh, to doubt means. To question something. So, for instance, your husband says, I love you. You doubt. Because you have seen certain behaviors. If you love me, ah, you won't do this. You won't do that. You won't do this, right? So, those things form proof and foundation for your doubts, right? But you don't necessarily fear for your life. You don't necessarily fear for your marriage, whether it will lead to a divorce, right? However, if it goes on and on and on and on and on, and the love disintegrates, you lead to fear because you begin to be afraid, am I even really safe here? I'm just using that particular example. Am I really safe in this relationship? And, and that is, you really cannot um, fear um, if you don't doubt something. But you can doubt without fearing. But you really cannot fear if you don't doubt something. Now you doubt God's protection, God's love. Doubt must be somewhere. Does that help? Perfect. Okay, thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I'm struggling with something, and that's probably because I may be assuming. 
Okay. Um, so when you speak about doubt, right. what comes to mind is that this is doubting something that is God's will for you. So something has happened and you're doubting, and, but we're, it's actually God's will, and so we're meant to trust him that he would take care of it and everything will work out fine. But how about doubting? I'll call it good doubt. When something is actually wrong and you are doubting and you are right to be doubting. Give me an example. Um, okay, so maybe you are in a place you are not meant to be or you are on a journey you are not meant to be on and you are doubting. So journey might be life's journey. Okay. You have taken the wrong track and you okay. are doubting. Okay. So I'm wondering, is it right to be doubting at that point and then what happens when I do doubt at that point? Well, when you do doubt, at that point, that should be fine. That is, you are doubting the negative, right? So, so, <clears throat> so um, maybe somebody at your workplace that is um, on the other side says to you, you will not be promoted. And like, I doubt that very much because promotion does not come from the east, not from the west, but from my father. Yeah, so that's fine. That is actually faith. Does that, does that help? A bit. Yes. A bit. Now, but sometimes also, for you to get on the wrong journey, you must, you must have doubted something. You may have doubted the right journey. Yes. So, so exactly. So, if you, if you had, let's say, I, um, I'm not, you are supposed to go face BI, and God says face BI, and you doubt that, and you face Ekpe, and in the middle of the journey to Ekpe, you are now doubting, I shouldn't be on this road. Then you, have, you use the doubt again to turn yourself. I think that can work. <laughs> okay, so, <clears throat> like I said, doubt is not necessarily something to be afraid of. God is not intimidated by our doubt. God uses our doubt for his glory. Um, so let's commit. I hereby commit to these next steps. For some of us, we need to commit to remember God's track record. We need to commit to hear God's word, listen to messages, remember God's track record by reading the Bible more, getting into the word of God. For some of us, we need to, um, our next step will be, maybe we need to Get, subscribe on SoundCloud. Look for God's Favorite House on SoundCloud. Subscribe to it. Download the, the stream the, the, the praise and worship. You need to fill your heart and your life with praises of God and worship of God. For, for some of us, our next step would be, could be, we need to anticipate a, a great future. We need to begin to say, what has God said about me? I believe it. So what it is, today I decided not to articulate it for us. I want us to articulate it by ourselves. What is your next step? So what are you committing to? What? God helping you. So in closing, 
That's the time Jesus performed the miracle. He fed a whole lot of people. The following day, the people looked for him everywhere. The crowd was teeming. They said to Jesus, we're going to make you king. You care about our stomach. He gave us uh, stomach, stomach infrastructure. <laughs> we are going to make you king. Jesus is the, is the first person to use bread to get votes. <laughs> so we are, we are going to make you king. And, and, and Jesus says that I'm not interested in your vote. And he told them, this thing is not about what you eat and drink. And he gave them a hard teaching. He says, except you eat my bread and drink my blood, you don't have life in you. And you know, for a Jew, that was a big deal. And all the people deserted him. And Jesus didn't mind. And he turned to Peter. You know, imagine if you had, if you are pastoring a church of 50,000 people, you preach one sermon, and it's called a sermon of exponential reduction. And, and the and, and the congregation of 50,000 people reduced to 12 people. When you see the 12 people, will you not pamper them? Will you not hug them and give them a kiss? But not Jesus. Jesus talked to them and said, you guys are still here. Are you not going to go? <laughs> Jesus. You look at this. What are you guys still doing here? You are not going to follow them. Peter said, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You alone have the words of life, the words that give eternal life. We believe them and we know you are the only one of God. So I want, I want to close with this. I don't want to deceive you at all. In your work with God, you are going to get to a point where you will have a chance of turning your back at God. I'm not saying that at church. Because some people are, are still coming to church. But they've turned their back on God. I want you to remember this story. And make up your mind. That like Peter, you will say to Jesus. I am not going to leave you. Even if I don't understand you. I don't claim, I don't understand what you're doing, but I am not going to leave you. Like Job will say, even though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Like the popular saying, even though we cannot trace his hands, we can trust his heart. I've gotten to, to points in my work with God, believe me, that I had a very strong feeling to turn my back. I said to God that, you know that you are not doing these things for economic reasons. You know that in fact, our God did not slap me that day. It's just a miracle. Honestly. You must say something that, see what you're bashing, Lord. 
if we can't go forward, ah. You know, I said some very foolish things that I wasn't proud of. Like, you know that by, the, by your grace, so it's not me. I, I started to spiritualize it. That there's no country on earth that I cannot work and get a six-figure job. There is no country on earth. If I want to leave and go to anywhere, you know it. Why didn't you slap me? I don't know. If I were me, I would have just, you know, what's wrong with this boy? And, but at the end, I said, what is my life if not yours? I don't understand though, but I will still follow you. I don't understand, but I'll still follow you. Let's burn our hearts. Let's burn our heads. Some of us are, are saying things that, you know, like, like me, I mean, that I consider very foolish, I mean, in retrospect. You know, but it's okay. God is not slapping me. God is not slapping you. God knows your pain. Like the psalmist, you are, you are. You are being real. You are being true. And God is not ashamed of you. No, he's not. Ah, he's not ashamed of you. I want to pray with you. If you're, if you're here, you're going through a tough time. Before I pray with you, why don't you just talk to God about it? If you're here, you're not saved. Jesus is not the Lord of your life. That's where you need to start from. You don't have a relationship with God. I want to pray with you. Pastor, pray with me. I want to get born again today. I want to get born again today. Put up your hand wherever you're seated and I'll pray with you quickly. I used to be born again and backsliding. You don't need to come forward. God bless you, sir. You don't need to come forward. Wherever you're sitting, God bless you. Keep the hands up. I want, to get, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to commit my life to God. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. There's another hand there. God bless you. That is me. That is me. Uh-oh. Okay. That is me. Put up that hand. I'm going to slip a card in your hand. You can put it down. Put it down and talk to him. Talk to God. Just talk to him wherever you are. I want to, I want to pray with, with you. You're saying, Pastor... Ah, I had questions. I had doubts. In fact, now, instead of looking for answers, I'm going to embrace the answer. You don't need to lift your hand or anything. I'll just pray with you now. Father, we pray for everyone in, in this place. Go through a tough time. Every one of us, we ask, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that you breathe upon us, Lord. Father, thank you for teaching us and bringing us to that place where we can embrace you. The grace to find you in the midst of our doubts. The grace to connect to you that connect all the other dots given to us. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Let's pray for the Lord. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh,
Tell it in the